Well, it's good to be back with you today. And I have to tell you that I may cut my sermon short because uh, my oldest daughter is hosting the family dinner today. <laughs> and uh, she told me on the phone this morning, she said, Dad, I've, I've made a beautiful cherry cobbler. It's got a beautiful crust on it. We're making homemade ice cream to go on top of it. And she said, the steaks will be cooking. And then common sense said to me, you not only need to pay attention to what she's just said, but there are two son-in-laws that are going to be there before you do. <laughs> and uh, they, they get out of their service over there about a half hour before we do here. So uh, I don't intend to lose weight today, but I am going to have to be on time, I think. Turn with me to Matthew, the first chapter, would you please? I'm going to have to get a new Bible this week. This one is beginning to fall apart. It's kind of like me right now, but uh, we're going to make it. Isn't God good? All the time. Yes. Well, we're grateful for another thing, too, and that is, as I looked out at the audience, I was telling Pastor, I said, there are seven or eight people out there that I haven't had the pleasure of meeting. And so I look forward to that and getting acquainted with uh, so many of you that have been added in the five months that my wife and I have been away. And uh, they're not five months of regret. They're five months of joyous serving the Lord. And uh, this morning as we look into the Word, I want to ask you to... Uh, join with me in looking at Matthew, the first chapter, and verse 18. And I want to talk to you about a very special father, a father that God chose, not because he was perfect, but because he fulfilled the right kind of an image that a father should portray. And this is about Joseph, the surrogate father of Jesus. Sound interesting? Well, whether it is to you or not, it is to me. So here we go. In the 18th verse, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. And while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, 
Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from, uh, from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Lord, I pray that your presence here and your hand on this message this morning will be more than just a sermon. I pray that it will be you speaking through me, speaking through your word, touching our hearts, and inspiring our faith. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You'll excuse me, I've got different pieces of notes here that I uh, want to refer to. First of all, I'd like to say good morning to every father that's here. And uh, I'd like to ask all the fathers to stand. Whether your children are still young in the home or whether they're grown and on their own. Every father would you stand, please. Now, church, isn't that a good-looking bunch? I'd like for you to give them a, a round of applause. Would you do that? Thank you, gentlemen. I consider it a real honor to be in the presence of men who are fathers, especially on this Father's Day. On Friday, there was an article in the Albuquerque Journal about dads, and it's entitled, Dads Devoting More Time to Taking Care of Their Children. And I'd like to read a short excerpt from that, because I think it is, in a lot of ways, a real credit to the fathers who have raised their families, stayed in the home, and uh, listen to it, written by Hope Yin. The percentage of American fathers who live apart from their children has doubled over the last half century. But to their credit, many of today's dads are spending more than twice as much time with their kids as they did back then. Married fathers who live with their children are devoting more time helping their wives with caregiving at home, a task once seen almost exclu exclusively as a woman's duty. Such fathers on average now spend about six and a half hours a week on child care, which includes playing, helping kids with homework, or taking them to activities. That's up from 2.6 hours in 1960. The six and a half hours is still just half the amount of time mothers spend per week. Still, the gap is narrowing in the 1960s fathers uh, who uh, put one-fourth the time mothers did. Father's Day reminds us parents that we have no more solemn obligation than to care for our children. President Obama said Wednesday in calling for fathers to be more involved, but far too many young people in America, uh, far too many young people in America grew up without their dads, and our families and communities are challenged as a result. There's more to the article, but it seemed to me that it was worthwhile 
to share just a little bit of that to uh, bring to our recognition the fact that uh, the role that a father plays in the family is an extremely important one. And not only that, but to uh, give every father a sense of importance that truly belongs to them in their role as the family head. I want to talk to you this morning uh, from some things that the Bible has to say about Joseph and some observations that the Lord's put in my heart to emphasize. First of all, when we look at Joseph, who we just read about, he was a man that God chose to be the surrogate father of his son, Jesus. And it seems to me that it's worth examining for the qualities that God saw in Joseph that we might, so to speak, compare where we are or look at as an example to follow in seeing how that we men might live a life that is fulfilling before our God. Amen? And uh, in these uh, few verses that I've just read, one of the first things that I noticed uh, about this is that the Bible says that Joseph was a just man, not just a man, but he was a just man. And that means, as far as the law is concerned, uh, as far as his, we'll say, uh, religious background was concerned, he was a man that no one could point at and say, this guy's fallen down here, or he's missed the mark. He was an honest, upright man. I like to think that he was a lot like my father. My father was a hard-working man, and he was away from the home a great deal because he was driving a truck. But when he was home, he was a loving father and one who took the time to talk with us. One of the things that I chuckle about now, but I, I, I didn't really pay much attention to when I was a child, is that mom was in the home uh, 24 hours a day, as, as some women would say, 36 hours a day. There were three of us kids in the home growing up. And when dad would uh, say to mom, what would you like to do? She'd say, let's go for a drive. <laughs> and dad would do that. And... Uh, he would take us for a drive to the zoo in San Diego. I'm surprised we got out. But anyway, uh, he would take us for a drive down there, or we'd go to uh, some place and have a picnic. And I remember him taking my brother and I to a box canyon way back in, in the back country that uh, uh, had high walls on both sides of the canyon. You had to hike into it. And it was spring-fed, and that's where he taught my brother and I to swim. And uh, I thought when he said, it's time for you to learn how to swim, that he was going to show us differently how to do it. But there was a, a log of wood in the pool there, and uh, he made us put one arm around the log and stroke with one hand and kick with our feet, and then coming back from the other side, put our arm around from the other side and do the same. 
And then when it looked like we were doing all right, then he took the log away. <laughs> Sad but true, we survived. <laughs> Joseph was without fault. He was a man who was upright. And I think that that is a credit to every man who tries to live right, who tries to live honest, and live an exemplary life. Another thing about him that I noticed was this. He did not want to make Mary a public example. I believe he truly loved her. When he found out that she was pregnant, the natural thought was she's been unfaithful, but it wasn't that, that wasn't the case. When he discovered that she was, he thought, I'll just put her away quietly. I won't make an example of her. He was both spiritual and uh, he recognized God's messenger, uh, Gabriel, who came to him in a dream, it says, came to him and uh, told him not to be afraid. Now, guys, there are things that this talks to us about, and it's something that I want to uh, take a, a moment or two to just talk to every man about. There are things that we guys shrink from. We all think that we're manly and masculine, but there's some things that we shrink back from. Sometimes it's responsibility beyond what we're willing to take on. Sometimes it's a fear of criticism. Sometimes it's, I don't know if I could do that. But the angel said to him, don't be afraid of taking on this responsibility. Now suppose that God said to you fellows, your wife is going to have a child, and this is my son. He's hearing the angel Gabriel say to him that he's going to be charged with raising God's son. How many of you would feel, I could handle that? I doubt any of us would want to just choose that. But God said to him through the angel Gabriel, don't be afraid of this responsibility. One of the key areas that all of us men need to think about is taking full responsibility for that which is ours and not dodging it. And here we have the angel Gabriel saying to him, this is going to be your responsibility. You're going to be a surrogate father. You're going to be a, a father for him in the place of God. Tall responsibility. Bigger than all of us put together have here. And it's right that the angel said, don't be afraid. Manliness does not run from fear, but it faces it and deals with it. And he was not afraid of it. He was a man of faith in this, that he believed what the angel of the Lord said. He believed the word of God, and he obeyed what the word said to do. He was not a faultless man. But what was in his favor was that he learned to listen to God. 
And when you don't have a fresh revelation from the Lord, you go to the Word. And you listen to what the Lord says. That's a quality of manhood. Or rather, I should say, those are some of the qualities of manhood that God saw in Joseph. They caused him to to choose him as a surrogate father for his son. Here's some interesting statistics about Joseph that I thought maybe you might like to know. He married Mary, who was pregnant with someone else's child. That'd be a tall order for most all of us men, wouldn't it? That would be a very tall order. Secondly, he became a surrogate father to the child. It's one thing to marry the woman that's pregnant with a child. It's another to raise someone else's child. And some of you know what that's like. It may not be a husband or wife, maybe a a grandparent. Thirdly, he listened to heaven's messenger and protected that holy thing that was done or being done in Mary that God wanted to bring forth. I want you to think about that one especially. Fourthly, we know that Joseph and Mary had several more children. There are are four more sons that are named, and it says, and daughters. That means more than one. That, that record is in Mark 6.3. Okay. If those are not enough facts for you, here's something more. There's a great mystery about Joseph. Where was he when Jesus, his son, was crucified? A lot of people think he died before that, and I believe that's true. But I can't find anything in the biblical record about him past Jesus' age 12. And that is when uh, Mary and Joseph uh, forgot that Jesus wasn't with them, and they looked for him for three days as they had been traveling home. They turned around and looked for him, and after three days they found him in the, in the temple, uh, reasoning with the scribes and Pharisees that were there. And uh, he was 12 years old then. Between then and when Jesus was crucified, I can't find any evidence that uh, he was still around. Personally, I think he lived to be Jesus' age 30. And I'll tell you why. Because the Bible is silent on that, I started reflecting on what might help me to know, and uh, it's this. In Jewish tradition, a man was not considered to be fully grown until he was 30 years old. And Joseph being charged with the care of the Son of God I think very likely may have finished his charge when Jesus became a recognized man. That's my philosophy. <laughs> and as you think about it, that's not all that important, but it does 
somewhat add a little bit of spice to, to this. It's thought that Joseph probably died in that period of time. Uh, he certainly didn't run off from his family. He enjoyed family life by the fact that he had more than six children after Jesus. So there we are. And uh, moving on with this, that would explain why Jesus entrusted the care of his mother to John, the apostle John. He said to John, Son, behold thy mother, and mother, behold thy son. It's a mystery to me where Jesus' brothers and sisters were, half-brothers and sisters. Surely some of them were there, but perhaps not. But instead of trusting, entrusting his mother to one of them, perhaps even James, who became the head of the church later on in Jerusalem, he did it to one of his apostles. The qualities of being a husband and father are sometimes absent when they ought to be present. Why all the fuss about Joseph? Now, let me talk to you about this for a while. Going back to the things that I mentioned that were qualities about Joseph, one of them that I mentioned was the fact that he took charge of what God handed him in the way of responsibility, of being a husband and future father, a husband to Mary and future father of baby Jesus. And the importance in that is in the fact that the angel said to Joseph that this was a holy thing. That Jesus was a holy thing. A very, very special thing. A thing that God was entrusting. He was handing to Joseph to look after, to take care of. Wow, does that speak to me. And it should to every one of us men today. Because as Joseph was a family man and taking on that responsibility, he also was charged with seeing that the spiritual responsibility that was there was also fulfilled. Now you pardon me for leaning on the pulpit like this, but I just want to look you all right in the eyes for a moment. Dad, how often do you think about what God has invested in those children of yours? How often has it crossed your mind that they are a holy charge and that each of them, God has something special to achieve in their life? How often have you looked at them and said, Wow, I want to see that they become all that they can be. It's not enough to just be there and pay the bills and change the diapers and help with the housework. There's a higher calling that we men have. A calling to see that the holy thing that God has put in every one of those children 
that holy thing has an opportunity to rise to the surface. This is the charge that God has given to every father, every man, that we are the protectors of the holy things that God wants to bring about. And while you're thinking about that, what about you? There's something that God has planned and put in you, in every one of us, not just men, but every, every woman, every child. Something that God has put in every one of our lives that's a holy thing. That the Holy Spirit wants to bring to the surface, that he wants to birth out of us. And to see that come to pass, think about Mary. She went to be with her cousin Elizabeth for three months, the first trimester of pregnancy, to prove up what the angel of God had said to her. And after it was proved up, she returned back to the household of Joseph and lived a normal life, letting that holy thing grow in her. There are some things that take more time than others. But if you put yourself in the place where God can grow you spiritually, where he can, by his Holy Spirit, inspire you, where you can dwell on the word that he's given you and let that word inspire you, something beautiful will come forth. It is God's plan. It is God's way of doing things, to put it in us as a seed and then to let it come to maturity. I want to challenge you this morning, men especially, but all of us here, to recognize that we have more on our plate. We have more on our plate to see fulfilled than just going to church and just praying. It's to let the Holy Spirit Help us come to a realization of what we are here for. You're not an accident looking for a place to happen. You're not some mistake. You are God's divine plan. And each of you have equally the potential of reward as Joseph did. Because in fulfilling what God has for you, you will receive the fullest reward in heaven. But not just there, here. Life becomes a fulfilling experience. Listen to me in this. This is the element that determines whether you're bored with being a Christian or whether you're excited about what each new day will bring. And that is whether you know that God is at work inside of you. Whether you are alive and actively seeking to bring about, to protect and bring about that holy thing. And I want to charge you and challenge you this morning to open your thinking to this, to open your thoughts 
to the possibility that God has a holy thing implanted in you, that you have a divine purpose, and his objective is to see that come to pass. Don't abort it. Don't abort it. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Give yourself to the purpose of God and watch the joy that comes. Will you bow with me in prayer? Across this audience this morning, our Father, I felt your word sinking in. When you put this word in my heart to share, I knew immediately that it was for this this congregation. I knew immediately, Lord, that it was your word for sure for today. And I have no disappointment at all, no thought of it missing the mark. I know that you have been speaking to hearts here today. And I pray for every one of us, Lord, that we will recognize that each of us are your divine purpose in shoes. That wherever we go, if we are conscious of who we are and conscious that you are alive and at work in us, wherever we go, we are you in your place. We are you, Lord, witnessing. We are you speaking to hearts. We are you praying for the sick. We are you living a godly example. And most of all, Lord, following Joseph's example, we are nurturers of the holy thing that is happening in those around us. Give us eyes to see, understanding, Lord, to grasp this concept and to understand that Joseph is an example that can enlighten and free every one of us from the bondage of questions and doubts to become your divine purpose alive and in shoe leather, I pray in Jesus' name. If you let the Holy Spirit birth this in you, this has a potential of releasing this church to explode. Because what God has done in you is dynamite stuff. And it's not intended to be just put up on a shelf somewhere and taken off once in a while and looked at and say, oh, isn't that pretty? It's intended to stir you to action. And as long as I'm alive and as long as I can, I'm going to prick you with pins. I'm going to kick you in the you-know-what until you do something about this. Because this is where the church of God comes alive or dies. Will you stand with me? Pastor, will you come? I want Sam to lead us in a song, and we're going to have a special prayer for our dads, with our dads. I asked you, uh, fathers, earlier 
If you really wanted God to help you to be the best husband and father you could be, you said yes. And now I say, how many of you know you need God's help to do that? We can't just do it because we make a decision. We need God's help. And we get God's help through prayer and submitting to Him. And so let's sing this song together. And then I'm going to ask the fathers to come forward and we're going to have a special prayer for them. Let's sing I Surrender All. I surrender all to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily. So, fathers, if you know that you need help from God, please come forward and join in this prayer. Dads, grandfathers, please come forward. Stand just across the aisle here, and we're going to have a special prayer for you. Amen. Amen. Just line up along here. Could you just stand and put your hands on the shoulders of the dads next to you? we need each other we're trusting God we're going to support each other what a beautiful sight this is and I'd like for all of our wives and moms and everyone else here to join in this prayer as always well did God speak to your heart this morning about the special thing the special gift that we need to share with the next generation. Pastor Phil, thank you for that message. God is stirring our hearts and helping us to realize the responsibility. Let's pray. Father, we humble ourselves before you. Lord, we feel so inadequate, so unworthy for this responsibility. Nevertheless, we are fathers and grandfathers and great-grandfathers, and we have this great responsibility to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation to be a good example for you, to plant your word in the hearts of our children and our children's children, and to nurture and cultivate lives for you that can make a difference for your kingdom. Help us, O God, to surrender afresh to you and to your purpose. Help us, O God. Lord, we ask you to give us guidance to know how to give that special creative love to each of our children. And help us, O God, to be bold and to speak out and know that they really want us to be the influence in their lives that can make a difference. Thank you for this day, O God. Lord, we rededicate ourselves to you. And Lord, we ask you to help us to help one another in this task. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. We have a gift for you this morning, a book on the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And there's a card here. On uh, about contentment from Lax, uh, Max Lakato, and we also, Ginger and uh, Sharon are going to have baskets back there. We're going to give you a moon pie. Now, why are we giving you a moon pie? Well, let me tell you. 
<laughs> How many of you don't even know what a moon pie is? That's very possible. Listen, when I was a boy, uh, moon pies were special to me and my brothers because my dad liked moon pies and gave them to us. And every time I see a moon pie, as silly as it is, I have a fond memory. Now, my son can't stand moon pies, <laughs> and that's okay. I'll give them to him anyway. But the message is, you can make something special for your children if you care and if you show just a little boldness in reaching out. So, Father, we thank you for this time together. We ask you to dismiss us now with a new inspiration to live for you and to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. If there are others this morning that need prayer for special needs, please come forward. We'll be praying for you. But God bless you. Have a good Father's Day. To Jesus I surrender, Lord, I give myself.